0: This podcast is a ministry of Crossroads Community Church in Hatfield, Pennsylvania. And now, the message. Well, we are starting a series today, a series that uh, we'll be studying the book of Acts. And uh, there's so much to be said. Um, I, I, I don't know, though. This isn't the, quite the day that I pictured to start Acts. I thought it would be sunny and beautiful not so much. It's, yeah, it's, uh, I mean, it's kind of yucky. I don't know how you feel if you're kind of sensitive to how days begin. Uh, some days just don't get started the way you hoped. Yeah. I think six of you already kicked over your coffee this morning. Like I understand, right? Usually, Oh, by the way, there are lids, there are lids. We have lids (laughs) use lids, but anyway, yeah, but Hey, but I don't want to make you feel uncomfortable. Same thing happens to me. In fact, it reminds me, when I was a kid, I, there was a book. It, it's still probably out there. Alexander's Horrible, Terrible, No Good, Very Bad Day. Yeah. Story of my life. But I remember reading that as a kid and realizing, uh, well, wait a minute. Alexander, this stuff just happened. And it, but the sense that it's building and, oh, boy, terrible things are going to happen. I mean, it looked kind of yucky outside, but I was optimistic until I tried to eat my breakfast. And uh had a piece of cheese toast, a little ham, a little cheese under the broiler. It was great. And I had it. I was holding it like this. going to eat it. And uh, I had to pick something up, and I picked it up, and my whole toast went <laughs> onto the floor. My wife doesn't even know yet, so don't tell her. <laughs> but, you know, I'm a guy, so I just picked it up, put it right back. You know, it was fine. It's a three-second rule. No big deal. I picked it up. How how bad can it be? Well, apparently, right there by our front door, quite a bit of grit accumulates. (laughs) Because every bite of my toast this morning was crunch, crunch, crunch. Yeah. So that's how my day started. How about yours? The truth is... um, God is in the habit of taking things that we think are going to go one way and sending them careening a different direction. And we're going to see that in the book of Acts. We're going to see this morning and I'm going to talk a little bit about the series title. And then we're going to talk the title this morning, Power Purpose Plan. You'll see where that comes from. But if you have a Bible, I'm going to invite you to open it to the book of Acts. And now if uh, we're going to project some of the I mean, the the scriptures up here, but it's so much better when you see it there in a book in front of you. So if if you don't have a Bible this morning, you can grab one of the blue covered hardcovers there. uh, Follow along with us if you can. Um, But the book of Acts starts like this. In my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day that he was taken up to heaven after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. The book of Acts was written by Luke. Luke was a companion of Paul's on his journeys. Now, it's going to take us a while to get to Acts 16, but something strange happens in the story of Acts. Um, Luke is, is writing these accounts down, but when he gets to about chapter 16, he starts writing in the first person. And uh, it's easy to imagine that it was when Paul moved into Macedonia and began that work in that area that that he first encountered Luke. And from that point on, Luke was actually traveling with him. I can't take it to the bank, but it does make you wonder. In any case, Luke was a companion of Paul's. And what Luke is writing is obviously part two of a two-part work. He talks about his former book. The former book was the Gospel of Luke. And so he wrote the book of Luke talking about Jesus' ministry, and then Acts was supposed to be a companion piece about what Jesus continued to do after his resurrection and ascension. Now, this, this book of Luke and Acts, it's pretty, pretty significant. It, it takes up almost 30% of the New Testament. So it's, it's a significant bunch of information. And it's kind of neat the way Luke did it. He, he, at, the, at the end of the book of Luke... Luke 24, um, he ends the book of Luke by mentioning that Jesus was sitting eating fish with his disciples. And, and the beginning of Acts 1, it opens with Jesus meeting with the disciples and eating. Um, the end of Luke talks about Jesus telling them about the promise of the Father. It ends that way. Acts begins... It opens with him talking to them about the promise of the Father, the Spirit that's coming. At the end of Luke, he talks about them being clothed with power. In the beginning of Acts, he talks about them waiting until they will receive power. At the very end of Luke, he talks to them about their being his witnesses. And Acts chapter 1, how he starts the book of Acts by talking to them about being his witnesses. And then the end of Acts, he's taken up, he ascends. And the beginning, I mean, the end of Luke, the beginning of Acts, he's ascending. So you can see that Luke is is clearly pairing Luke with Acts. Something else is kind of interesting, and Luke is probably my favorite gospel. But as Luke, this physician writing to pretty much a Gentile audience, that would be us, Throughout the book of Luke, it seems as though one of the points he's trying to make is that this message of the gospel is available, it's universally available to anyone, regardless of where they are on the social ladder. What he's saying is wherever you are, there's a clear path between you and God. And then when we get to the book of Acts, he seems to be saying that no matter where you live, There is a clear path between you and the gospel of Christ. And so the book of Luke seems to kind of have this vertical approach, and the book of Acts has this clearly horizontal approach. We could go on and on and on talking about this really cool thing that God did as he led Luke to write the gospel and then the book of Acts. Now, we could spend weeks, believe me, uh, we could spend weeks just talking about all kinds of things Background issues to the book of Acts, and we just can't do that today. But I do want you to understand that the book of Acts plays a really important role in your New Testament. It's a book of transitions. Now, I'm going to mention a few of these to you. It won't mean much now, but as we go through this study, you're going to see some of these reflected over and over. It's a book of transitions. Historically, we're moving from the Gospels to What comes after the book of Acts? The epistles, these letters of instruction written directly to churches and believers. And so the book of Acts comes right between those two. Religiously, there was this uh, attention given to the temple or the synagogue, but now that energy and that attention shifts to this new thing called the church. God's program of redemption Since the beginning of the Old Testament story, he's been using Israel, his chosen people, as as an example of what it means to be loved by Jehovah and to be redeemed by him. But now his focus changes from Israel to this thing called the church. And so the book of Acts, it's it's clearly switching from one to the other. It's a transition point. Wow, theologically. Something happens in Acts. Throughout the Gospels, Jesus is here. How many times, if you're a believer in Jesus, how many times have you wished you could sit at the table with him just once? We have this idea that, that it would just be amazing. And I, I don't think it would be, except for the fact that he looked just like one of us. In the book of Acts, though, there's a, there's a transition from this focus on him being here to he ascends, and now he is present through his spirit. That's what we experience today. Jesus is still present, but he makes his presence known through the Spirit that the Father has sent. And, of course, when it comes to the Spirit, and we're going to talk about that, if you know anything about the book of Acts, you probably know that there's something about the Holy Spirit in there. And what we're going to see is that this, the book of Acts is where we, we switch from the, the Holy Spirit being with believers to Holy, the Holy Spirit being in believers, taking up residence in them. In the book of John 14, Jesus was trying to explain what was coming next to his disciples. And he said in verse 16 of John 14, he says, And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you. And he will be with you forever, the Spirit of truth the world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he lives with you, and he will be in you. And, of course, that's hinting towards some texts in the Old Testament that we'll, we'll get to probably starting next week. All these promises that God made to Israel about one day, things are really going to get changed up. And instead of kind of the same routine religious thing, my spirit is going to be in you and among you and pouring over you. And it's so alive. And, and now Jesus seems to be saying, you wait. That time, the time for God to fulfill that is coming. And then, of course, ethnically, there's just a clear move from God's working with the Jews to working through Gentiles and everyone. So anyway, there's so much to learn about the book of Acts, and, and I think we're going to be challenged. But you know what my first struggle was? What do you call this study? Now, if you go home and you Google sermon series in the book of Acts, what you're going to find are lots and lots of really cool ideas. All of them made me feel this big, right? Cool graphics and cool series and really thoughtful. Because we were thinking, what do what we We want to make something, you know, really eye-catching and, and get our attention. So we, we wrestled with this. What, now, the, the traditional name was the Acts of the Apostles. Um, And yet, it's not really the most accurate name. I mean, a few apostles are represented there, but um, there's so much more in the book of Acts than just the apostles doing a few things. It's certainly about the birth of the church and some people, you know, the the church is born, the church is pushed forward, or, or the power of the Spirit. What a change, right? Everything changes when the Spirit comes. Or the church on mission. Because we certainly will see what the church is supposed to be doing in the book of Acts. It's at work. Sent. Uh, outward. Uh, reaching. I mean, there's all these kind of terms we could use. Um, although um, a few people around me just said, Mike, don't try to be so witty. Just call it Acts study. And so we will. But but I want to add a name to that. You see, there's this little hint, I think, in the beginning of Luke's gospel. Remember He writes to Theophilus. He says, uh, in fact, let me see. Boy, if I go all the way back, it'll be a mess. I should have. Did I I put it in again? Let me see. Yes. So he says. uh, He says, in my first book, I wrote to you, remember, about what Jesus began to do and teach. And right there, I think something is implied about what the book of acts is going to be about. If Luke was about what Jesus began to do and teach, then it makes perfect sense to imagine that the book of acts is going to be about what Jesus continued to do and teach, now through the spirit and through his people. And so I think I think perhaps the most simple way for us to think of the book of acts is to remember that it's a story about Jesus's continued ministry. Now, at first you say, okay, that's really stunningly brilliant, Mike. Um, you know, firm grip of the obvious, right? Duh. So why would it be so shocking to, to to talk about a book, the book of Acts, being the conti- uh, the story of Jesus' continued work? What's so surprising about that? It's pretty obvious. Isn't he dead? <laughs> we don't write stories about what people continue to do after they've died. They don't do anything. And I think, really, if if we had to pick out one thing about the book of Acts, over and over, it's that point. I mean, remember what, remember how grim it looked at Calvary. Remember the pain and the suffering. Remember that awareness of theirs. He is dead, dead. And they took his body down, and they laid him in a tomb, and they all go into some... Hideaway room, and there's just like, what just happened? We everything that they had bet the whole their whole lives on, it didn't work. Talk about a horrible, terrible, no good, very bad day. But you see, Jesus wasn't done. God raised him from the dead, and now he continues his work. By his spirit, through his people. So I think the one thing we're going to see over and over and over and over and over and over and over over again in our study is this. That the work that Jesus is doing is absolutely unstoppable. The whole story of Acts is going to be about one obstacle after another. Some are internal obstacles. Some are external obstacles. Some are geographical obstacles. Obstacle after obstacle after obstacle. And over and over again. The gospel busts through. So, Acts chapter one. You ready? We read this. In my former book, Theophilus, stop. <laughs> That's as far as we got. Gives you a sense of how long the series is going to be, right? <laughs> Four words in. Uh, and listen, we're going to really focus on some parts. Other parts are kind of kind of kind of cover more quickly. Uh, so don't let that throw you off. Um, otherwise, we'll be here till 2021. Um, but we should just pause for a second and ask ourselves, who is this guy? Kind of a theological discussion that it, it doesn't really in- impact us much. Uh, some people think that maybe, you know, Luke often back then doctors were actually employees of some master. And so some people thought, well, maybe Theophilus was actually his master, the guy that Luke, his boss, he worked for him. And he's writing to him about what's going on. Some others thought maybe uh, Theophilus was was the guy that was going to be listening to Paul's story when he's defending himself in Rome. And so Luke has constructed these two books to try to explain, this is how we got here. And it's kind of hard to argue with everything that God has done. Other people would simply point out that Theophilus is a Greek name, and it means lover of God. So, maybe he's just using that as a, a euphemism for everybody who loves God. It's written to all of us. Doesn't really matter, except that there's this focus. I want you to know what Jesus continued to do. Acts is a story of what happened after Jesus ascended, and the Spirit came, and the church was born. Now, as we go through the book of Acts, sometimes we're going to see things. It's simply a story. It's a narration. We're going to observe things that happened. It doesn't necessarily mean that we as a church should do them that way. We're going to see things that I guess we could say we may do it that way if we want, but we don't have to. But there are going to be other times when it's crystal clear that what we read about is what we're supposed to be doing. We must do this. And so as we go through the book of Acts, we're going to be watching watching as we listen to the story of how it how it happened that the gospel worked through the church and how the church moved forward versus times when we see something and say aha we should be doing that too now um we got to talk about some of the scary stuff in acts and there's scary stuff in here okay for instance the spirit of god Exhibits power that many of us are not used to. People speak languages that they've never learned. People understand the languages clearly. There are healings and 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 people raised from the dead and and, and just on and on and on. It's kind of scary. Now, everybody reacts to the Book of Acts. Depends on how you're wired. Some of you kind of have that more charismatic bent, you know? You know, you're the ones that try to clap when we sing? Yeah. yeah I hear you. I know. And you and kind of wait and you're like, come on. We want so much for the Spirit of God to bust loose and do things that nobody expects. It would be so exciting. And I got to be honest, I kind of feel that way too. It would be fine with me if God just busted through and did something that we had never seen done before. That wouldn't scare me a bit. I would love for God to do that. Others of you, people like me, scare you. I understand. It's like the Holy Spirit to you. And I guess I understand because I used to feel this way too. The way I was taught when I was a young believer, nobody ever talked about the Spirit. You were sealed with the Spirit and then, that's it. And then from then on, it was like Father, Son, and Holy Bible. Right? Right? Because the spirit was like this, like like the you know your crazy uncle or somebody in your family, like like oh gosh we, he's not coming is he? Oh man, if he's there you don't know what's going to happen. Can we just read the Bible? So I'm just acknowledging that some of you are at either of those extremes, and what I want to say to you is, we need to try to put away some of those hang-ups, whatever they are, and see the text for what it says. Now, the the demonstrations of power, these power encounters that we'll read about in the New Testament, I'm going to try to point out that they actually served a purpose. It wasn't just for entertainment value. It wasn't even, like, for instance, the healings. It wasn't even just to heal someone. If that were the case, just like in Jesus' life, he could have just kind of waved his hand and healed everyone. But the healings or the miracles had a purpose connected to the message that was being spoken. At the same time, I've got to speak to all of us who were like I was, at least. I still tend to be sometimes. When we really want everything to go every Sunday and every day kind of the same, and we don't want any surprises and we don't want anything really scary, is it possible that that desire to kind of go with Father, Son, and Holy Bible, that that would explain why? our daily Christian life is so powerless? Why it's so nondescript? Boring? You read about other people's experiences and you're almost jealous of a testimony. But for you yourself, yeah, yeah, God hasn't done anything scary or exciting in like, I don't know, 20 years. I think one thing we're going to learn as we study the book of Acts is that the believers in the church when it was birthed, Had a special relationship with the Spirit. They understood that He was calling the shots. And they lived in a way that they were listening. They were ready to respond. They were able to respond. Now, it was still up to Him to push the button, to send the power. But when He did, they were ready. And studying the book of Acts has made me again say, God, I want to be ready, I want to be listening. So that when you want to fill me, fill us with power so that others could hear the gospel and come to faith and be changed, I can do that. So we're going to read all about power, power encounters. We're going to read about evangelism. Suddenly now you're really glad you can just fill a shoebox and mail it away. It's not nearly as scary as actually sharing the gospel with someone you know face to face. And to be honest, we live in a culture, I'm an evangelist, I love sharing my faith, and yet I catch myself pulling back all the time because we kind of get the message, hey, 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 that's good for you, not for me. It's it's almost just socially unacceptable to go pushing your beliefs on someone else. And they kind of effectively have done that, right? We just like, oh, I'm here, I mean, if you ask, but you know, I don't want to be rude and I don't want to push. And so just let me warn you in advance that the the book of Acts Shows us believers who push, who ask questions, who insert themselves, who demand that this has credibility. There's a reason I believe this, and there's a reason you should hear me out and you should believe this. Well, that's just rude. That's just pushy. Yes, I am pushy about what I think is absolutely true. And so we're going to get challenged about evangelism and apologetics. We're going to have to give some thought to what it means to actually bust through in somebody's thinking and say, "Hey, hey, hey, let me let me ask you a question. What do you think happens after we die? What what if you're wrong? Who do you think Jesus is? Have you ever heard who he said he is and what he did? Can I can I tell you? What would stop you from believing that message? We're going to read about community life and why. Being in relationship with one another is such a core piece of being the church. We're going to learn about church structures. The truth is the church was structured and organized in a a special way. We're going to learn that there's all kinds of different ways churches can be structured, but that structure within the church was actually something that God ordained and kept the church safe and strong. We're going to learn about the gospel confronting selfishness and materialism now we don't have to do everything we see in the book of acts but remember these are the people who when people had needs they actually sold their stuff and held it in common so that everybody had what they needed (laughs) there's no way to make that nice if you want to hang on to your stuff and of course we're going to read about prayer In the first 15 chapters, 14 of them mentioned prayer. Prayer was not a program. Prayer was a reaction. It was the instinctive reaction of anybody who was a follower of Jesus. Whatever happened, good things, let's pray and praise him. Bad things, let's pray and ask God scary things, hurtful things, painful things. Whatever it was that happened, their first reaction was to pray. And we're going to see the gospel confront racism. That'll be an interesting discussion in our culture today, won't it? We're going to have it. We're going to have that conversation because the gospel confronts racism in a way that honors God. The gospel confronts uh, corrupt political systems. I don't know how you feel about our system but I'm going to suggest that Rome was a problem. I'm not going to make any comparisons. I'm just saying I, It's easy to imagine Rome was a problem. So newsflash, the church was born. It was an infant and it grew and it flourished. And Rome couldn't do a thing about it. Wouldn't you like to know how they did that? We're going to see it. Excessive violence from rioters and from lawkeepers. Wow, that's scary, isn't it? They don't, have, they don't have body cam footage, but it's represented. How do believers respond when they were treated poorly? They don't call the ACLU. It's an opening for the gospel. So we have so much to go into. Let's take a couple minutes and actually get into the book. How about that? Okay, so we're back in Acts chapter one. In my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day he was taken up into heaven after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. After his suffering, he presented himself to them and he gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and he spoke about the kingdom of God. Let's pause there for a second. We don't have time to go through the historicity or, or to review all of those uh, occasions. But on multiple occasions, Jesus appeared to large groups of believers. Why is this important? Because it validates the story. They'll say, well, I mean, anybody can write that that happened. But, yet, but see, when this was written, no one could argue with it. Because contemporaries who were around when this happened... They would bump into people who said, I was there. I saw him. You can't argue with what I saw. It's important for us to understand that before Jesus left, he made sure that there was objective fact supporting his presence, his resurrection, his ascension. And so Jesus, before he left, made sure that he talked to those disciples about what that meant, what those connections looked like. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, see, there's the little eating uh, setting, he gave them this command, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father has promised, which you have heard me speak about. We already mentioned John 12. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. In the next couple of weeks, we're going to talk about the theology of the Holy Spirit and how it impacts us as believers. We've talked a little bit about it before, about the not-not walk and how we position ourselves to be able to be filled by him. What we're going to see, however, is that making sure that we're practicing the not-not walk, grieve not, quench not, but walk by the Spirit, we practice that so that we are in the place where his Spirit can fall on us, his Spirit can fill us, But at times, it's overwhelming when he thrusts us out. We don't experience that until we're in that place. Jesus is going to talk more about that. We're going to see it at work. Acts 6. And so they gathered around him and they asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? Um, This was not a dumb question. Part of the promise that was being fulfilled was that eventually Jesus as the Messiah would reign as the king over God's kingdom of which Israel was a key part. So they're saying, is this when it all happens now? That makes perfect sense. If I was there, I would be asking that question. And I want you to notice that when Jesus responds, he doesn't say, no, I'm not going to set up a kingdom. They weren't wrong about that. The only thing he addresses is the timing. What he said to them is it's not for you to know the times and dates that the Father has set by his own authority. And boy, don't you feel like you're still living in that setting? Wouldn't you love to know just a few of the dates on his calendar? Jesus says clearly, that's not what you even need to concern yourself with. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Now, I'm going to say that this verse is the the outline for the book of Acts. If you want to know where we're going, you want to know where we are in the book of Acts, Acts 1:8. The whole plan, the whole story of Acts is right here in this verse. And I'm going to encourage you to memorize it. It's it's not hard to do. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you will be eyewitnesses Right. Some of you could know it. You just know it off the top of your head. You've heard it. But I want you to notice what's here. The whole outline of the book. The whole plan for the church. First is uh, he addresses power. Where is the power? What is the power that will continue the work that Jesus began? He makes it clear, doesn't he? It's the Holy Spirit. As Christians, sometimes we're tempted to think that we need to change our character. We need to change our lifestyle. We need to change these things. We we, we do and should. But I want to suggest that the power for living out the gospel comes from the Holy Spirit. And if you feel ineffective, you have to have a talk with him. So the power comes from the Holy Spirit. What is the purpose of God's people? Why is the church even here? He makes it pretty clear to be witnesses. Now you say no wait, I thought it was to make disciples. And the two things are are one and the same in the sense that as we witness, we do so with with a compelling a persuasion. Paul says that we we urge people to be reconciled with God. So it's not just like, hey, here's an idea. Jesus died, paid for its sin. Do with it what you will. <laughs> no, it's that it's that we want to urge this changes your life when you believe it. Now it's kind of interesting. The the original the, the the Greek word for witness, it's the word that we get the word martyr from. No surprise that most of the apostles were martyred. And you say, up, oh, you know, you know, I got a little problem with that. I'm not gonna sign up. I'm not gonna sign up for that class. <laughs> Thrive or not, I'm not I'm not interested in being a martyr. But here's an idea for you. A martyr is a martyr before they die. See, what this means is somebody who is so convinced, so convicted about what they believe that they would be willing to die for it. That's what that means. There's a a saying, and I forget which commentator said it. Um, He said, stealing a horse doesn't make you a horse thief. it just confirms that you were a horse thief. You see, if you're going to steal a horse, it has to exist inside you first, and then you're just acting out. You're a horse thief before you steal the horse. In the same way, if you're a martyr, if you are so convinced that what you believe is true, that you would be willing to die for that message, you are already a witness. And so through this whole challenging thing, It's part of what's going to step on our toes. We're going to realize, um, I don't carry my faith with quite that same level of conviction. No wonder maybe our lives get boring. So there's the purpose to be witnesses. And what's the plan? Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the utter ends of the earth. Now, if you've been around church, you kind of know that whole thing. and We will unpack it. But his plan was: start where you are, start with those around you, and begin to share your conviction, and then go through whatever door opens next. Sometimes people come, you know, you know, Pastor Mike, I just want to know God's will for my life, and they're thinking it's way out there. Be nice to your mom, huh? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and stop cheating in school. What? Mm-hmm. That's God's will. And read, your, read the Bible, pray, share your faith. No, 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 I mean my life. Start where you are. By the way, where are you today? Maybe you're here and you've never put your faith in Jesus. We would hate for you to be here for a study of the book of Acts and not understand that the message of the book of Acts is that God loved you enough to pay for your sin and give you eternal life if you will believe in him. What would stop you from trusting Christ as your Savior? Love to talk to you about that if you have questions today. If you're a believer, though, where are you at? Do you understand yourself to be an extension of what we're going to see happening in the book of Acts? Here's a thought. Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, then the ends of the earth. You realize that we are their ends of the earth? That's us. They got from Palestine all the way to Lansdale with the gospel. So now, who gets reached if we start here and go out? In the same way that each of those shoeboxes goes out, we go out. We're the link in the chain. They began this work. Many of them were faithful and churches expanded. And in fact, the church expanded in ways that you would think would kill it. Persecution and being chased. And it just got worse. The gospel just kept spreading. Now it's come to us. And so I guess the question for all of us as we begin this study is, do we understand that we are part of that same plan. We're on that same mission. That same power is available to us. We may or may not experience it. But if you're here today and you say, you know, I don't really think I do it, but if there's a way for me to experience that and know his power, I want it. Their purpose is our purpose. To be witnesses... And the plan is our plan. We start here and move out. So the question is, are you ready to move out? Are you ready to take up our leg of this journey and be the church that God launched? Let's pray. So we take just a second. I don't think there's anything that's more important than us pausing and processing what we hear. You actually, you know, we we talk about our DNA. We talk about sending away little samples of our DNA to find out what our heritage is and where our people come from. You realize that this is our spiritual DNA. You just took the test. We know who they are. We know where they lived. We know what they did. You see, there's something about doing that process, learning about your people. It's not just intellectual. All of a sudden you say, that explains something. That explains why my family has. That explains why I've always wanted to. And then the next thing you know, we start acting like them. There's a connection So as you read Acts chapter 1 and 2 this week in preparation for next week, ask yourself, do these sound like my people? And do I live like they lived? That's exactly what Jesus wants us to do. Lord Jesus, I pray that the gospel wouldn't just simply be um, kind of a, an intellectual exercise that we acknowledge is true, but that instead through our study of what you did in the early church, that we would be convinced that it's supposed to do the same thing in and through us. So I pray that you would set us free. I pray that you would put inside us a burning desire to be like our people, to pick up that mantle, to be a part of that chain, and to reach our ends of the earth, not leave it to someone else, The gospel is unstoppable. It will reach those people regardless. The only question is whether we get to be a part of it. And I pray that you would build within us kind of a jealousy. I don't want this to pass me by. I want to be part of that movement. So God, I pray that you would change us by your spirit, that your word would penetrate, that the gospel would continue to be unstoppable. And I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening. Intro music by bensound.com Visit us online at crossroads-cc.org